All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Wednesdays with Julia. We're Wednesday, November 18th. It's 7.04 here on the East Coast, um, 4 o'clock for you guys on the Pacific Coast. Um, I'm really looking forward to today's show. I have a really special friend of mine, Dr. Anthony Mattis. Oops, I think I'm clicking buttons with my cheek. Um, I have a really special friend of mine, Dr. Anthony Mattis, on the on the line today. Um, <clears throat> he has a really, really incredible story and has created a life um, through tra- tragedy. His wife actually took her life four and a half years ago um, <clears throat> due to, uh, she had bipolar. And um, so he's actually raised three kids himself and very, very gracefully um, for the past four and a half years. And uh, so I'm just really excited to talk to him about his journey and the tools of access consciousness have been a huge contribution in his life. And uh, so I'm just really excited to have him on the line. So welcome, Anthony. Thank you, Julia. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so so basically, um, it would be good if you just started with your story. Like, can you just tell us about, um, you know, you were married, um, you had three, you had three beautiful children, and um, and um, I'm not sure. Just where where would you like to start with your story? <laughs> I guess the beginning is always good. <laughs> so, um, hi everybody, uh, Anthony Mattis here. Um, I guess to, I dated my wife for ten years, or I dated. I was with my wife for ten years, and um, when we got together, uh, at the time I was very much into. Um, holistic chiropractic medicine and metaphysical studies. I was a certified teacher in a metaphysical study, and I was doing weekly workshops. So when we met, uh, I had invited her to the the workshop. And at the time, my oldest son was uh, eight months old. And um, she was just brilliant, bright, and beautiful, and uh, one of the first people that I ever met where I really just could spend all day having a conversation with her. Within the first 15 minutes of our conversation, she had shared with me that she, you know, had uh, manic depression, also known as bipolar disorder, and, and uh, you know, a lot of the things that I was learning at the time talked about how the mind affects the body and how, you know, certain concepts can cause diseases in the body and all that, so, you know, I was being taught that, you know, this was something that could be healed, and she was very interested, and so her and our oldest son showed up to my workshop, and uh, and then we never really looked back. So we, we really started this intense journey, um, really just trying to seek out um, the, the truth about life, if you will, and, and the cause of dis-ease. Her mother also at the time was struggling with chronic depression. Um, she also took her life, I, I believe it was around 2000 and three, I want to say, four, I can't really remember, but, and um, needless to say, my wife and I's relationship was really sort of brought together, not only by our oldest son, but also by our desire and our thirst for just higher truths and, and, and greater knowledge that was sort of beyond the everyday reality that we get, you know, from just our everyday life in school or church or wherever, so, and um, for a while, things went really well. And then uh, when her mom had took her life, um, my wife still stayed pretty sane and stable. 
but, you know, our marriage was kind of on the rocks, and, um, you know, I was struggling financially, and so it brought a lot of stress to the relationship, and she had her second episode, if you will, and that turned our lives upside down. So how far was that into your marriage? That was about three years into our marriage. At that point, we had our second child, and uh, I had adopted my oldest son, our oldest son, Elijah, and... um and so we had our, our second son, Vincent, and it was, he was, I don't know, maybe one years old and a uh, one-year-old, and then she had her second episode, but it was my first experience with it. And to be honest with you, I've never seen anything so powerful in my life take somebody over. I remember saying to the therapist, it was like she was possessed. And so from the therapist's point of view, it was like, well, that's just the nature of the illness. That's what happens. And I'm like, yeah, because this is not my life, you know. And so there were a lot of things that occurred during the episode that were really tough to deal with. And um, But I had to keep in mind that this was not my wife, that she was sort of behaving like someone else. And but at the, So at the time, I took custody of the children because they weren't really safe. And um, and so after she went through her phase, the, the manic phase, we um, we got back together again. And for five and a half years, she was sane, stable, and sober. She did AA. We became non-denominational Christians. We spoke in tongues. We believed in the power of healing. We we were involved with different ministry groups that also believed in how the mind can cause disease. So you've really been at, like, a seeker your entire life then. Yeah, we were willing to do whatever. <laughs> Anything. Yeah, we were willing to do whatever it took to really heal from this situation and also restore our marriage because you know I, you know I, my desire was to always try to create a family that I didn't really have growing up. You know, my mother was married three times, uh, my dad was married twice, and so you know my, my target was just have a, you know that the good old nuclear family. You know, and we also got our dog too. <laughs> So, <laughs> you were the perfect metaphysical family. Yeah, well, we were perfectly imperfect. So, um, yeah, but for five and a half years, things were great. The marriage was actually better than it was even when we first met. And a lot of the things that that occurred during her second episode, my first experience with it, I let it go. Um, we had to go through a lot of forgiveness, healing, if you will, and, and all that. And then five and a half years later, the signs and symptoms started creeping in. And I knew that she was starting to slip back into an episode, but um, she had felt that she was healed and delivered from it. And um, we got a lot of bad advice from a lot of close friends, uh, including the church. And uh, she started getting sick, and it was just snowballing. And, uh, and again, I watched her slowly slip away. It was probably one of the most powerless experiences that uh, – that you can go through. It's almost like someone getting cancer and you're just watching them deteriorate. But this is like mental illness. And the thing about mental illness is the person looks fine on the outside. Right, right. But uh, really on the inside, their their mind's going crazy. And um, so uh, anyway, she decided to, you know, I remember having a conversation with her. I said, honey, why are you trying to take your life? This is something that you're adamantly against and opposed to. And and she's like, well, you know, I saw a demon. And I said, oh, really? Where? Like running around the house? Wait, you take her life as in like the like a, an attempt before she actually did take her life? 
yeah, she was actually beginning to, you know, start. she started cutting herself, so that was sort of like a sign that things weren't really bad and that we checked her into the hospital at that point. She took some pills um, as well. And, um, you know, so when I when I went to visit her in the hospital, I asked her why she was doing this because it wasn't in her character to do it. She was very angry with her mother for many years for making that choice and uh she would always sit around when we would watch the kids at the uh, at the park playing she's like I can't believe my mom's not here to watch her grandchildren grow up because her mother was young and healthy i think her mother was only 52 or 53 years old when she took her life she was beautiful intelligent and and vibrant and and she decided to check out but anyway so when i asked her that she you know Jessica said she saw a demon, and I said, okay, I, I thought she meant maybe the demon was running around the house, and I'm like, okay, cool, and maybe we'll get the house anointed with oil and whatever else, and she's like, no, the demon's me, and so at the time, I'm like, you know, that's bullshit, Jessica, That that's just the illness talking, blah, 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 and I'm like, if you kill the demon, you're going to go for the ride, and then she just kept saying over and over again, the kids don't deserve this kind of life, uh, you don't deserve it, you need to move on blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, look, you gave us five and a half good years and you've only been sick in this episode for like seven months. And usually it took her about a year to recover from an episode. And so I said, just ride this out and give it a little time and we'll we'll seek out other things maybe that we, we haven't saw before. And, and I'll never forget, we were holding hands in the hospital and she said, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen again. I was supposed to be cured. And she's like, you and I were supposed to be traveling the world, well, you know, doing seminars, teaching people how to heal. And uh, and I said, well, that's okay, baby. We'll we'll teach people, um, you know, we'll help facilitate people from a different point of view, perhaps, than the one that we thought. And so, um, so anyway, about a couple of weeks later, after she left the hospital, is when she decided to take some sleeping pills. She t- checked herself into a hotel. And she took sleeping pills and she went to sleep. And um, the day before she did that, though, she just she looked at my, me and she said, you're a wonderful man. You don't deserve this. The kids don't deserve this. I want you to move on. And then I said to her, honey, I go, we will deal with one bad year for, for five and a half good ones. And, you know, with someone with bipolar, it's not, you know, it's unusual for them to go so long without medication, without having an episode. A lot of people with bipolar will cycle weekly, monthly, maybe every few months. She went, you know, when we first met, about three and a half years with no meds and no episodes, and then five and a half with no meds and no episodes. So when we checked her into the hospital, the doctors couldn't believe it. They were like, something must have happened to trigger this. And I'm like, nothing happened. Our marriage was better than it ever had been. I was finally making some money paying the bills. We got out of credit card debt. Um, you know, we had a beautiful little girl, Aria, who came along. She was two and a half years old at the time, and we got that puppy that I always wanted to have. And uh, we just got off of the most incredible family vacation we've ever taken, and then seven months later, she's gone. So it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever because there was no stress that that triggered this last ep- the, the last episode. And when I asked her when she she thought it first started happening. She's like, we were walking in in the skateboard park and she's like, all I did was look at this couple 
over about 50 yards away, and she's like, it was like something jumped off of them onto her, and she started gasping for breath, almost like a flea, and uh, and then she started having a panic attack, and that was sort of like the beginning signs, and those were happening intermittently. Now knowing what I know, like after she passed away, I literally got on my knees and I looked up and I asked God, I'm like, okay, you know, what the fuck? You know, we've done everything. We had a guru from India. We did, you know, we were, you know, devout Christians, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Sunday. You know, we we prayed, we, we, we worshipped, we sang. She was on the praise and worship team. I mean, we did everything. And this wasn't supposed to happen. And um, so, you know, about nine months after her passing, I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to go outside the box because I've done everything according to the book, according to the Judeo-Christian point of view, and uh, my wife is gone. And so I need something to pull me out of the depression. And I was also looking for something not only to pull me out of the depression of, of the loss of my wife, but I needed something to also change my reality as well because I didn't feel that I was achieving the success in in my professional life that I knew was possible. And I felt like I was grossly underachieving in that area. I felt incredibly frustrated um, uh, in, in that particular area, not really feeling rewarded. And um, so I was looking for something. And then I learned about the access consciousness and the tools. I thought it was weird. It was probably the weirdest thing that I ever done, and that's saying a lot coming from someone who was willing to try everything weird under the sun. I mean, it's a bunch of other techniques I did too that I didn't even mention. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's that's quite the journey. So, so after, like, I mean, that's like you're describing one of the greatest tragedies I've ever heard anybody describe. And like, what did you do after? Like, how did you start to? pick up the pieces and, and build your life? Basically, um, my my focus was just really about the kids, okay, and just letting them know that, you know, daddy's not leaving. You know, I, I, sp- I told the kids the truth from day one. Uh, my daughter was two and a half at the time. And uh, with the boys, I'm like, look, mommy uh, chose to leave. Mommy was struggling with bipolar disorder, and they asked what that meant. The boys were only 8 and 10 at the time. And I said, well, just picture like a tornado in your brain. And or if, if you remember, if you know about those uh, Fourth of July sticks, those sparkling sticks that you light, and I said inside our brain, when the brain thinks and it sends messages, it's like those Fourth of July sticks, but it was like in mommy's brain, it was like out of control. So and said, mommy took a bunch of medicine to make herself go to sleep forever because she couldn't take it anymore. And so I, I was honest with the boys. I didn't hold anything back. I told them as much information as I knew that they could understood at the time. And uh, obviously we were all in shock. And literally for six months we all slept in my bedroom. The boys, uh, my daughter slept with me and my one son slept with me and my other son slept in a little cot in my room. And we were literally created my room, our bedroom, as a teepee, like, you know, like the way Native Americans used to live. And um, so I made, and every day we talked about their mom, we talked about mental illness, we talked about how we need to let this event not break us down as a family, but to make us stronger. And, um, you know, I believe that 
you know, as much as I would have wanted her to make a different choice, and the kids would too, because, you know, people don't know when you lose somebody, not only are you personally grieving the loss of that person, but as a parent, you're also grieving for your children. And when your little girl's crying every day at night when she's hungry and tired and she's crying for her mom, and you can't give that to her, it's it's painful. It's like gut wrenching. And so and when you tell her that mommy's not coming back, it it's you know, it's very frustrating and you know, and so so I reduced my hours at work and um I was home three nights out of the week before the kids got off the bus from school. And then I I was lucky enough to have an amazing neighbor who stepped up to the plate and took care of the kids the other two nights that I worked late, and I just had a lot of amazing uh, friends that really stepped up out of the woodworks to support the kids and I, And because uh, I don't really have family down here. My father was here part-time, but, you know, so it wasn't easy. So, you know, nine months later, I, I took the kids to an access consciousness class, and my intention was include the children on everything that I do and inform them with regards to everything that's going on. And you don't keep them in the dark. And I literally didn't leave the house for like three years almost, you know, except for to go to, for, to classes and seminars to really try to acquire tools to, to pull me out of the funk. And so so the boys came to this access consciousness class called The Bars. And at first for me, I just thought it was too weird and um, and – you know, it was very relaxing for me, but had I gone by myself, I don't know if I even would have went back. But I was watching how it was affecting the, the boys. And um, my one son, who's incredibly hyper, you can't get him to shut up or sit still. He, <laughs> he's my dancer. And uh, a lot of you have probably seen videos of him dancing. He's amazing. But within 20 minutes, it was like someone shot him with a Valium or, you know, with <laughs> Benadryl in the butt, and he, I was like, okay, I'm going to come back again to this bars class because it's worth it just for that. My older son <laughs> fell asleep in like five seconds and continues to do so. But the bars, it wasn't until my fifth treatment with the bars where I thought I was going to puke my brains out. And um, But the next day, I woke up with this incredible amount of joy. I felt like God had gave me a brand new brain. And it was 11 months after Jessica had passed away. And I remember whistling and being happy and singing. The kids were like, Dad, you're happy. And because um, keep in mind, they've been watching their father cry for the last 11 months. And so I'm whistling and I'm like, I am happy. This is crazy. This is unbelievable. And then I started hearing voices like, you're not supposed to be happy. Your wife hasn't even been, you know, dead a year. And I'm like, Shut up to <laughs> those voices, you know. <laughs> but what what that experience gave me was, uh, it, it, it what it showed me was, wow, this thing with access consciousness and this thing with the bars, it's not just for the kids. This thing is for me. And it's the weirdest, wildest, wackiest modality that I ever come across. And God knows I've studied under a lot of different things. But it's by far the most powerful modality I've ever come across that's actually worked and created my life. And so many of my dreams are coming true now because of the tools that I use with Access Consciousness. And I just didn't use them. My kids use them too. 
my kids run bars, we run each other's bars, and for all of you who don't know what the heck that is, it's just this hands-on modality where you gently touch these 32 points on the head that literally begin to delete any issues you might have in certain areas with regards to healing, sadness, joy, whatever, money, creativity. It, it's beautiful, and it really truly does what it says it does. And so now the kids are, what, 15, uh, 12, and 7, and we're very much involved in access consciousness uh, and traveling the world, uh, helping to facilitate people to change their lives, and more importantly, not to change their lives, but to create their lives, because one thing both Jessica and I um, always believed was that we were put here on this earth to to walk out our gifts and to express our talents in the best way that we can. And when you're not doing that, you know, coming from a Christian point of view, you know, that makes God unhappy, you know, because he put those those gifts and talents in us. And when we're not expressing those, those make you sick, okay? So um, one of my deep desires was to help facilitate people in creating the life that they always knew was possible but either forgotten about it or put it on the back burner because they've been too busy creating everybody else's life. And so that's what kept that's what's kept me going is that I made a commitment to myself, I made a commitment to the children that I was going to create my life and fulfill my dreams, not at and not only in honor of my wife, but in honor of myself, but to also show the children that, you know, I'm trying to create, and your mother wanted to create a space for you guys to live out your dreams and your talents and your gifts. And when you hold yourself back from that, okay, that will kill you. That will kill you. Now, bipolar and mental illness, that's, a, that's like a whole other animal in and of itself. Um, and now knowing what I've learned with the tools of Access Consciousness, because when I first started Access, I really just wanted to know why my wife killed herself, because that wasn't her. Mm-hmm. That was not Jessica. Jessica wanted to live. She used to talk about being an old lady. She used to talk about when the kids become teenagers and giving them advice about dating, and she couldn't wait to give advice to her daughter in in a way that was so different than the advice she got from her mother, because because of all the hell that she went through as a teenager. So she couldn't wait for that. People who choose to take their lives, they don't talk about the future. And so, like, when she killed herself, I was literally in shock. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And so, you know, one of the things they they teach in access is never ask why, right? But it's been amazing because I've gotten so much clarity as to – you never can get into somebody else's mind or head, okay? But at least I've had some awarenesses around perhaps why she chose what she chose. And and at the end of the day, you know, I'd give anything for her to be able to use the tools that I've learned in Access Consciousness because I believe without a shadow of a doubt that these tools could have and would have saved her life. Um but I believe in my heart of hearts that not only did God lead me to access consciousness, but I believe my wife led me to access consciousness too. And, um, you know, and I be- – yes, go ahead. Oh, no, I just I, – I've heard you talk quite a few times about how there would be different signs and different ways that you do to keep going um, 
down the path that you're going now. And it's not even that access is necessarily the right path, but it's like it brought you to some incredible things and to using your gifts and who you are by the sounds of it. And um no, it's it's just amazing how it's like these these things that it, it seems like there's nothing there for us. Or it's like it's funny now looking back, like you said, if you if the boys your sons were not the first bars class, you don't even know if you would have gone back. But it's like it's interesting to see how these these different things that are so subtle and so hidden actually have this world of possibilities for us. And and I've heard you talk about how like you would notice things um like eleven eleven on the clock, you know, um I don't know, you can talk more about that, but just like these signs to keep going and to keep choosing what what you're choosing. And and um I would love I, I would love to hear more about how like just the honesty that you had with your kids and how that's like played out in their lives and them having confidence and they're not like being secrets and things hidden for them. Like that changes somebody's reality totally because kids especially and especially in the face of tragedy are always kept in the closet and, and we want to protect our kids and hide them from the blow and and you didn't do that and it's created a really different life for your kids. Yeah, well there's a lot. We can probably do a three part call on all that stuff. You know, the biggest thing for me is what I want to tell everybody. It, listen, it, the journey has not been pretty. <laughs> and the kids got to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the biggest part of it is when they see the ugly parts of you and the parts where you're breaking down, the parts where, you know, you're you're cursing and you're angry. And sometimes you have little fits of rage because you feel like your whole, you know, your life has fallen apart and nothing's working out and, you know, being a single parent, having three children, pulling your string from every different direction. And so sometimes they see the ugly side of you. But as a parent, having the willingness to say, you know what, I'm sorry, you know, uh, please forgive me. You know, daddy was wrong in this situation or daddy's hurting right now because blah, blah, blah. So letting them into your world so they understand that that th- there's there's a reason why <laughs> you're behaving a certain way or if you're crying and they're looking at the only person who's left in their world as a, as the rock falling apart, you know, it's like, hey, daddy's crying because he misses mommy, you know, period. Excuse me. So, you know, it, it's not like, you know, don't cry and then go hide yourself in your room and the kids don't see it and then you disconnect. To me, it's about connecting with your children. And, and from my point of view is to connect with your children means they need to see it all. That's my point of view. My parents hid things from me. They kept secrets, okay? And then it led me to have to fill in the gaps of what the truth was. And when you're a child, you can create all these fantasies and illusions of what the truth is. So that didn't work for me. I was pissed at my parents for lying to me about Santa Claus. You know, so my point of view is I'm going to tell my kids about Santa Claus right from the start, you know, because then if, if Santa Claus is a lie, then then what's to make them believe that miracles can happen, you know? And so, you know, so that was my point of view, and that's what that was Jessica and I's point of view is like, let's be straight up with our kids right from the start about everything. And so 
you know, so that was our point of view. I'm not saying it's the right point of view, but that's what that's what works for me. And I always had the point of view of when I'm on my deathbed, am I going to feel bad about holding the secret or telling him the truth? And the answer was keeping the secret. So I never wanted to keep secrets. I wanted them to always know everything. And and what worked for us was just them knowing that I was there. And there were days where my 8-year-old son would hug me and say, Daddy, thank you so much for changing your hours at work and being here with us. At 8 years old, he had the awareness to say that and do that. Um, and also, what I want to say, too, is, you know, with all the journeys that he's been coming out of the church, and, um, you know, it was very difficult for me to, to choose utilizing the tools of access consciousness. A lot of times people think when they go from one religion or one modality or to another that they have to give up the old for something new. Access consciousness is not like that at all. It's just really tools, tools for your toolbox to help you create your life. And you don't have to give up anything. You could be any religion you want. You could be any philosophy you want and, you know, any theology you want. You don't have to give up anything, but it's about just utilizing these tools to help you create your life. And these tools friggin' work. I've seen these tools change people's lives. I've had the privilege to travel the entire world seeing people transform before my eyes through some of the tools that we use with access consciousness and that I've used with access consciousness. And it's like these testimonies are happening right in front of my face. And so... And there was one day in a particular class that Dr. Dane here taught, which is the Symphony of Possibilities. And I swear to God, I felt Jessica appear. And what I felt like she showed me was, or I felt the presence of her. I didn't actually see her. And I felt like what she showed me was that she reminded me of the the intensity of the mental illness, how intense and powerful that energy was. And she goes, the energy of that and the energy of what you're doing with these tools of access consciousness actually match each other. And so what that meant to me was that the tools that you're learning with access consciousness can actually melt mental illness. Now, I'm not saying it'll melt it in one treatment or anything like that, but it's the one thing that I've learned and come across that could actually shift it and change it. And at the very least, it could have potentially kept her alive. So in that moment is when I realized that not only did God or the universe lead me to access consciousness, but she led me to it as well because she was saying, here, you wanted answers. This is the thing that could have changed it. And so I just feel incredibly lucky that I have found these tools and that I've gotten to meet wonderful people all over the planet. And and to be in a position where I could facilitate people um, to to things that are, I don't want to use the word greater, but things that are beyond their current reality to, you know, hopefully create a different reality for them. So I feel truly blessed with that. Wow. <laughs> I don't think there's where to go from there. I mean, wow. Um, so, God, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I mean, it's a wild story. And you have so, like, I mean, you've been in the core and the and the guts of this and this one of the things that really stuck out in what you just said was how you don't have to give up anything and it's been really interesting because I've had conversations with you where you've talked about 
Jesus Christ or, you know, metaphysics or different things that you've done in the past. And it's it's really fascinating to me um, the way that you include everything from your past. A lot of the people I see doing anything, not just access consciousness, doing any kind of modality, it's like they feel like they have to turn it into a religion. It's like, it's like what if we could take everything that we are, all of the, the journeys we've been on, all of the struggles we've dragged ourselves through, and not look at it as a wrongness or something to fix or get rid of, but actually use it as something, as another tool in our tool belt to create the future. And um, that it's really inspiring in what you're talking about, that you, just the way that you, you go about things and you carry yourself, and, and just like the honesty of things, like the honesty that you have with your kids, it just blows me away like it's it's completely unheard of in the midst of something that you know really it's like it's the one of terrible <laughs> there's no other word for it so um yeah it's it's really neat it's like the the concept of i know that in access one of the concepts that's been up a lot right now is secrets and this is just one really cool example of how secrets destroy and and when you expose the truth and you include people, like when you were talking about the kids, like if you're crying and you would go to your room and withdraw, you actually separate. And it's like there's a similar energy with secrets and separation. It's like where where everything isn't included. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. You've done things really, really, really differently. Yeah, and, you know, and especially when you're coming out of the church, and you, you know, for five and a half years, um, you know, when I first came across Access, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm definitely going to go to hell. <laughs> I was freaking out. But what I realized is those, those are other people's points of view that would have said that. I had a lot of close friends that actually accused me for opening up the door to the devil because I was studying a holistic energy healing techniques. And... You know, and I probably would have believed that they were correct had the timing been right. But my wife was getting sick before I even started studying these other modalities. And this was before I went into Access. So all along, in the beginning of Access, I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing, blah, blah, blah. So even with doubting whether I was doing the right thing or not, things were showing up. Now, it's funny because... A lot of my old church friends would say, well, maybe the devil's tricking you. And I'm like, well, if the devil's tricking me and making my life better, then so be it. (laughs) I'll have a lot of great friends in hell because I went to hell. And, uh, you know, and I peacefully said to God uh, nine months after my wife passed, you know what, if I'm stepping out of the box here too far, then, you know, so be it because I've been through hell. And, uh, you know, my life has not worked out. It certainly didn't work out for my wife. It wasn't working out for my children. And I'm going to do whatever it takes and learn whatever tools and modalities to make my life better for not only for me but for the children. And I'm super, super grateful. And the beautiful thing is I don't have to give up anything, anything to use these tools that I've been been learning. In fact, I take it all. Uh, So, yeah. So, but but it's interesting because so many people struggle with, and, you know, and another thing too is I realized how much of my life I was living uh, according to other people's points of view of what right and wrong was. 
because there's so much in this reality by mother, father, teacher, preacher, rabbi, whoever, that they instill their points of view, and then you start functioning according to their points of view, and then where's you in any of it? It's nowhere, right? So my point of view is if God made you in his image, wouldn't he want you to be expressing your gifts and talents and creating your life in a way that was magnificent and magical? Okay, so that's that's the point of view that I have and I'm sticking to, and that's what I'm trying to instill in my children as well. And just super grateful because there were a lot of things that were blocking my ability to create my life and make a living and follow my dreams and, and, and to have the dream show up in my life. No matter what I did, no matter what I studied, none of it was showing up. But with these tools things began to dissolve away and fall away, and then all of a sudden, these these things that I've always dreamt about are starting to show up in my life, and so grateful, so super grateful. Wow. Um, <clears throat> um, so, so if you if you had something to say to somebody who's going through um, an intense tragedy since that's the subject of today's call. Um, what, like, what would you say? Like, you've just built and created from nothing, from, from a huge, you know, tragedy. Well, there's no perfect answer. <laughs> okay, that's number one. But give yourself permission to go through whatever processes you need to go through or they talk about the different phases of grieving and all that give yourself permission to do that you know in this reality in this day and age they want to medicate you and you know my point of view is like seriously it's like there's a time limit and how long i'm supposed to be grieving for somebody you know it's like i was still productive you know and but the bottom line is allow yourself to grieve go through the different phases of grieving but also you have to be willing to commit to yourself, to commit to your life and living. And what does that look like for you? I don't know. I can't answer that. I can only answer what worked for me. And the commitment that I made to myself was that I'm going to create my life and I'm going to do whatever it takes to have my dreams come true before my body is too old to do anything. And and I'm going to be an example for my children on how to create my life. But I also needed tools too and I needed help. And surround yourself with people who also desire the same thing. Don't surround yourself with the people that love to commiserate, <laughs> okay? Don't surround yourself with people who love the drama and trauma. There's so many people that were there for me in the beginning, but it was like what I realized that when, when my life started working out, they left. So those people were there for the drama and trauma because they love drama and trauma, and I'm grateful for that time that they shared with me but I was ready to move on. And surround yourself with people who are willing to create their lives that don't get stuck in the drama and trauma. Um, you know, and you know, go out and move your body. Exercise. You know, don't kill yourself, you know, and take those family vacations. We do Christmas different now. You know, we, I try, we go away. We go to Disney World for Christmas instead of staying at home and opening a tree because that doesn't work for me anymore. That's not our reality. And so we, I've taken the kids to Disney World or, you know, we're going to go out of the country this year. We're going to, you know, we do something different every year because that's just the way it is for us. So, I don't know, the biggest thing is be willing to commit to your life, your living, 
do whatever it takes to create your life, if there are things that are holding you back, and seek out different tools and modalities that, that can help. And if it's not working, try something else. Don't ever quit, you know. Don't ever give up. And don't ever give in. So, you know, it's like that's the biggest thing. And you're going to have down times. There are going to be times where you feel like nothing's changing. But I promise you um, it will if you're willing to commit to your life and living. Wow. Yeah, no, that's – it's like a lot of what you're talking about is just being willing to – like to commit and to to change things and to and to build something – to build something new. Um Wow, sorry, your story just has has me kind of speechless. Um, so, so like, how are your kids doing now? How is your family doing? What's like, what's changed? Um, you know, it's been it's been four and a half years, and and um, like, what kind of day to day things have the tools created in your life? Well, the biggest thing is just closeness, you know, and. I'm not going to sit here and say life's been perfect and the kids have been perfect. The kids are excelling in school. Yeah. My oldest son went through kind of a yucky phase where he decided to have a case of the fuckets, I call it, <laughs> where he was grossly underachieving in school. But, you know, you have, as a parent, you have to nip things in the bud. And, and even when you see where they're not willing to look at it themselves, and sometimes as a parent they're not going to look at you because as they become teenagers they like to create that separation – so I went and sought out a friend um, who's a um, clinical psychologist at, who utilizes the tools of access consciousness, and I, you know, I did, had him do private sessions. So, so when things show up, those little bumps in the road, surround yourself with people and professionals that can, you know, pull you out of those funky times. But it's the, you have to have the willingness to um, to be alert. To things, the things that are going on, because it's so easy to get caught up in the mundane things of life that you miss someone slipping through the cracks. And sometimes as a parent, you can't fix it. And you have to be willing to put your pride aside and, and, and surround yourself with other people who who do have the um, the tools to, to help you along the way. So it's not perfect. It's not pretty. But overall, the kids are amazing. And, you know, they're creative. They're talented. They're brilliant. I mean... They're way smarter than I am, <laughs> uh, you know, now. <laughs> I'm not even talking about when I was their age. They're smarter than I am now. And um, But just a level of confidence. And, you know, at the end of the day, they know that when there's something going on, they can talk to me about it. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Well, thank you for being on tonight. This has been quite the journey. And, and thank you for being so vulnerable with your story. I think it, 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 it's... Um, has a lot there's a just a lot here for people to take and and uh you're introducing people to a whole different reality when it comes to tragedy and loss so so thank you so much thank you so much julia for having me yeah so anybody ever that would like more information as to what i'm doing what i'm involved in they can check out my website at www.choosingthebestlife.com and uh yeah i'm blessed and grateful Take care, everybody. Awesome. Wait.